Hey, y'all, I'm Jimmy Carroll, and you probably know me from MTV's longest-running show, The Challenge. Buckle up and get ready for this unfiltered podcast because I'm covering everything from my time on MTV to pop culture to what happens when you stop being polite and start getting real. Listen to Just Jim wherever you get your podcast. Good morning to you. It's a good Monday morning. Morning. Hope, hope you're driving to work going, damn, I don't like this. <laughs> Hopefully it's a little bit better because you're hearing this now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, work. Because oh, it's Monday. Get it? Because right. like I had the whole weekend and I didn't do nothing. I know. And now, now I, I got to go do, do something. something. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Well, we're hopefully going to make that better for you. We're going to hit. We love doing the top five list for brunches. And uh, Sean brought up the idea of how about we do a top five favorite movie scenes. And me being me, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, like, like what? Like favorite intros, like scariest scenes. He's like, top five favorite movie scenes. <laughs> you didn't, I, You misunderstood me. No, you don't get it. And I was like, but Sean, there are one million movie scenes that I love. How do I narrow it to five? He's like, top five favorite movie scenes. No so, matter what, of all time. Just whatever. Like, we are going to do top five favorite movie scenes just like, okay, let me give you my my thought on this is that when I first saw it, it blew me away and it continues to like be a scene that I can just watch. I can just watch the five minutes of this scene yes. without caring about the rest of the movie. I can just watch this over and over and over and still feel something is how I kind of categorize some of these. A lot of these scenes are th- are scenes that I just think about uh, like in everyday life that'll come up or yeah, like you're saying, like even uh, Quint's speech in Jaws, like I'll look that up on yes. YouTube and just watch it just because it's such a good scene. So yeah, those scenes that stick out to you that you love from movies that you probably love that just stick with you and they are your favorite scenes of any cinema you've ever seen. Well, yeah. a lot of times we have we have always tried to disqualify previous movies that we've done. I'm not going to I'm not going to say that's a rule today, but we can talk about a few. I mean, there you could go through the majority of movies we've done and pick a scene from it. You know, Goodfellas, the the Warner. Yeah. Uh many scenes from Good Goodfellas, Princess Bride, Nigo Montoya, mm-hmm. yeah. Prepare to Die, Back yeah. to the Future. I don't even know what scene you pick in that. I know. Same with Jurassic Park, The Shining. Here's Johnny. Like uh, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The opening scene to mm-hmm. that is a scene for me. Yeah. Rocky, uh, the the training montage up the steps. Even with Jaws, the we're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah. That whole scene, Saving Private Ryan, the entire opening scene opening, of that movie. Yeah. Yep. Blair Witch. We just did that. The final shot. Reservoir Dogs. The ear cutting. The ear cutting was yeah. a big one. The, yeah. The day stuck in the middle with you. Uh, I would even say like Boondock Saints, like for me, even kind of has a few of those reek. Uh, the actual action scenes of that movie for me are like ingrained in my skull. I think about it a lot. Oh yeah, when he's when he drops the toilet and then jumps yes. from the bed. I mean, come on, that's pretty epic stuff, right there. Yeah, the Karate Kid, the crane kick. I mean, what 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 else? You got any? Like got every a, movie we do, you'd have I mean, something. The Goonies, um, I mean, name it from the Goonies. Yep. That's such a big one for me. Um, obviously, the Breakfast Club of them sitting in the circle. 
There's something cool. very iconic about them sitting in that circle and like the the camera angles from the outside yep. when they're having that discussion. Not inside the circle, but like from the outside, ah. you get to see them a little bit. And uh, but those are a couple for me for sure. Um, thinking about movies that we've we've yeah. done, True Romance, the falling in love scene in the comic yes. shop. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, even in The Shining as well, just the uh, Jack at the bar talking oh, to God, Lloyd yeah. is one of my favorite scenes of all time. I just love it. And uh, yeah, I have some more honorable mentions if you guys got some. Let's as well. do some honorable mentions. I, I'm telling you, this was probably the hardest assignment we've had. I, I <laughs> didn't not know how, it was one. not an easy one. You want to you wanna go honorable mentions? Yeah, I'll do one. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the hotel scene in No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. uh, where he Ooh. goes to the hotel and... Um, with the briefcase and all, that whole exchange, that's, that's where he figures out that he's being tracked. He's got the tracker in, in his uh, in the money case, and as he discovers it, he is listening to uh, Javier Bardem's character coming up the stairs, and it's that whole interaction and, and encounter and shootout um, is just no music. I mean, there's no music in the whole movie, pretty much, but it's just so intense and how that ends is is just crazy to me. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. That's a solid. You got a bunch of honorables at all? I got a couple. Oh, yeah. Let's hear them. I mean, I got, let's just go round table till we're done here. All right. Um, How about this? I'll give you, um, I'll give you Casino Royale. Oh. Pretty much, honestly, that opening action scene of him chasing the guy uh, through, uh, I can't remember the city, but he's basically chasing someone through uh, this like city. And they're jumping from the cra- like the moments when they get to like the cranes mm-hmm. jumping. Have you guys seen Casino Royale? Yeah. Okay. The, there are these moments where it's like the most exhausting thing to watch, and that's the only way I can describe it. Is this opening scene when they are tracking a, a suspect or, or trying to get he's he's a bomb maker is what it, what we find out. He's they're tracking this bomb maker and he's running this guy down. And I mean it is. It looks like a 2002 parkour video. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it is so insane. And like watching Daniel Craig do this and finding his way around, it's it's insane, dude. Um, it's such an intense scene, mm-hmm. and the way that it ends, um, it comes back around the dynamics of that scene. When it comes back around, everything leads up to it, and he finally he's kind of cornered, and it stops, and it's silence, and it's just him and an basically a a, a battalion of of soldiers and all that, all that's standing between him is this guy that he was hunting. Right. And he's got a gun to it. It's, and it just stops and it becomes dead silent. And you're just like, fuck. <laughs> God, I love fuck. that. I love that so much. There's Casino Royal has a ton of those, but there's yeah. a part where they're on top of the crane as well. And the, yeah. the suspect stops and planks and Daniel Craig's like, Oh, fucking sick. And then they resume the fight. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Love it, that it, part. It's, it's so good. And I also, I really actually love the, uh, um, I, I even like love the scenes of during the card games and even afterwards when, uh, he's kind of interrogating Daniel Craig. Pretty iconic. Yeah. I, I would have put Snatch on my list, but unfortunately, I couldn't think of which scene. <laughs> it's uh, so hard. Because there's two for me I narrowed it down to. The, the Tyrone scenes initially, like the get away driver. What the fuck's he going to get away from? And like <laughs> Tyrone, when you reverse, things come from behind you. That whole interplay in the car <laughs> of Snatch. Like I fucking, that's one of my favorite scenes ever. But ultimately, I'd probably have to pick the the first Pikey scene and the Brad Pitt fight yeah. when when he like is stretching while he's getting beaten up he's like yeah. falls against the fence he's like ah, okay boys lift me up and he's stretching his legs and that first time you see him like 
actually sidestep the yeah. punch and jack him, <laughs> and the music starts. Do 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 do. Golden brown. Snatch, snatch for me, man. Dude, that's so funny you bring that up because I was thinking about that scene, um, and I I listened to that soundtrack, yes. and that's one of the songs I go back to all the time yep. when you just have that like. Whoosh, when he hits him. The first time you saw that. And then just... it drops. <laughs> and you just see gorgeous George on the floor and says, Golden Brown. They're sitting there while there's just motion behind them from all the pikeys. You go, oh, fuck. Right now, Tommy's questioning about everything he's got. <laughs> and you better be hoping that gorgeous George wakes up. Otherwise, they're going to be burying. T- he knows he's going to be buried right along with him. <laughs> so the one thing that a, that a pikey doesn't like to have an answer for, it's anything the cops ask him. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Brad Pitt, I have to like my some of my favorite scenes of all time is just Brad Pitt driving in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <sighs> driving and listening Get to the music. Bob Seger, all of that music is just incredible. I could watch that all day, yep, every day. I don't care what it is. There's nothing going on. It's just Brad Pitt driving, and honestly, <laughs> when he gets to his trailer and is just hanging out, making food for himself and his dog Brandy, I love it so much. Some of that whole movie's just. A scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I, I'm going to, I am going to give this as an honorable mention at this point because I think that there are some other ones that do top it for me, but it's one that I come back to very often and it is in John Wick. It's in the first John Wick movie. And there is a conversation that happens kind of near the beginning uh, after the catalyst of why John Wick does what he does uh, happens. Um, it's John Leguizamo after he tells, uh, the guy, what's, uh, what's it? Alfie, what's his name? Alfie. Well, I don't know. Oh, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's, uh, from Game of Thrones or whatever. And, uh, so anyways, he, he just, he basically just have an altercation with him and John Leguizamo gets a phone call and it's kind of the big bad, the Russian mob boss. And he says, I hear you struck my son. He said, yes, sir, I did. And he says, can I ask why? He says, well, he, uh, stole John Wick's car and he killed his dog. And he did that. It goes back to the Russian mob boss and he turns around. He's just like, oh, my the only God. reason, the only reason he could have possibly mentioned yes. that would have made him go, "You're right, you're, yeah, that makes sense." He's just like, and he's just like this look on his face. How do you convey this so perfectly? Of, oh shit, we're fucked, we're all fucked, and, and it's just that brilliant moment. It is very short, and a lot of people talk about him explaining who John Wick is, and I think this part takes the cake. Him, him explaining this, and 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 dead set ready on dishing out repercussions to John Leguizamo's character and then he's just shot down he's like yeah that makes sense all right see you later it's, <laughs> call, oh call me God. later so good dude so good i got to go i got to go inception it's one of my famous favorite films of all time but if you're trying to narrow it down i mean you've got the hallway fight scene where that whole thing's rolling around there's so many iconic shots for me i think it's the last time I watched this, it, what got to me the most was the Ariadne waking up through all the levels at the end. Mm. Like that whole sequence of how perfect that was shot of her waking up from the bottom world into the next world, waking up from that into the next. And that, I don't know. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. That, that, that whole ending for me. Just, yeah, even beyond. Even the spinning top, him getting home, waking up on the airplane, all for me. Love it. Nice. Uh, my last one here is going to be The Gray, and it's... Uh, mm-hmm. 
at right after the plane crash and uh, Liam Neeson's talking that guy through his own death. I think we mentioned it before on like a top five winner. Oh, yeah, winter, yeah. Movie. winter movies. Uh, I think about the scene all the time. I first watched it. I watched it up to this scene, and then I had to go to work. <laughs> and so like, I was just left with this feeling of melancholy the entire time I was there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just love it for the human nature of it because that is just so human to me because he's he's at he's asking the guys like who do you love think about them right now you know um and then you, like he's freaking out he's like i'm not gonna die i'm like he's like you are gonna die uh so let's you know let's make make the best of this moment right now you know it's like mm. let's calm you down let's get you in a good space i don't know i there's something about that that just really freaks me out it's it's so many emotions at the, yeah. uh, all, all the same time and i love it yeah so. Got any uh, other ones? I, I'll give you one very, very small one. I mean, this is like a this it's like a micro scene, honestly. But it's the moment where uh it is in uh The Departed when and there's a lot of scenes you could take from the departed, obviously. Like uh, but this one in particular, I don't know why it like resonates with me so much, but it's when I think it's just after they find out about um the other guy who was in Jack Nicholson's um, crew and they find out, I think they're doing a news report on him. And then they say like, basically like when I tell you to put him in the mosh, you bury him in the fucking mosh, (laughs) that kind of thing. He's going through that. And then they're like, Hey, it's like, all right, well it's time to go to work guys. Let's go. And you just see Leo DiCaprio, his character. He's like laid, he's kind of laid back in a booth. I do this all the time, I realize, when I end up sitting in a booth uh, at a restaurant or something for too long. He's leaned across it, like laid back against the wall. Mm. And and he says, all right, let's go to work. And you just see him go like that. And he is just, (laughs) it's just this moment that he has, like he's got to psych himself up. Like he's so close. He doesn't know how close or if uh, if he is close to getting found out. And they just watch this guy who got discovered they, that they're saying is like a cop or not. And he's just like, and he gets let's up go. out of the booth like, all right, <laughs> let's go. Something about that resonates so heavily with me. I yeah. don't know why. I had a couple more uh, blow. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't gotten to that movie yet. That first time that Johnny Depp, Paul Rubens, and Bobcat Goldthwait are in the room oh, with yeah. 100, 110 pounds of blow. And Bobcat's like, I can't feel my face. No, I mean, like. I can touch it, but I just can't feel it in the inside. <laughs> and then, and then it switches to Black Betty. Yeah. Thirty six hours later, and we sold it all. It's just such an iconic moment of that movie, Fight Club. Tyler Durden getting beaten up by Lou. Even the narrator oh, beating yeah. himself up in the office. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Come on, I mean, like, I, I that's such low hanging fruit for me because like <laughs> Jack Rabbit Slims is one yeah. of the best scenes of all time. Jack Rabbit even the pawn for me is weird as it is the pawn shop. Yeah. That whole thing is a is I love that definitely. Uh, last one, I mean, Silence of the Lambs, that night vision thing oh. at the end. That's just ridiculous. So creepy. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for us to move on to the top five. If those are honorable mentions, these better be good. Yeah, Sean, they better be. You want to start it off? AJ, you want to start? Uh, off? I'm going to take this drink and then I will start it okay. off. Number um, five from Sean. I'm going to go with a maybe lesser seen movie from the late director. The great, late great William Friedkin, uh, his movie Sorcerer, and I'm gonna go with the bridge scene. Um, this movie, he did this movie right after the cachet that he earned from um, The Exorcist, and uh, this movie was buried uh, because of the release of Star Wars, and just you know, no one saw it. 
No one did anything with it. It really didn't go anywhere or do anything. It's got Roy Roy Scheider in it, and um, it's about these kind of outlaws who have done various uh, nefarious things in their life. Like either like some of them are hitmen, some of them are drug dealers, some of them are, are whatever, and they go to this place to hide out, and it's just it's just like pretty much purgatory for them, mm-hmm. um, and they're commissioned to drive this nitroglycerin to this oil spill, oil leak that's happening at this uh, oil baron, because um, they need to blow it up, like kind of like they do in there. There will be blood, or they just kind of stops it pretty much. Um, and so it's very highly active nitroglycerin that they have in these two trucks, and they need to get it and traverse this just jungle-ish area that just it shouldn't be doing this at all, but this is like the only way. And uh, they come to this bridge, which is basically like the bridge in uh, um, Temple of Doom, but for cars and trucks. Uh, and it's just like a rainstorm, and there's like the flooding going on. And so they're trying to get these two trucks over this bridge, and one guy's like out outside, like kind of guiding them, be like, "Okay, go this way, go this way." And like the bridge is breaking underneath them the whole time. It's the most intense yeah. thing, and bar that with the watching the movie, fuck off even thinking about how they did that. I don't, I still don't know, and I I don't even think I want to know because it's such a, you just have to see it to believe it, and it's it's just nuts. It's so nail biting and. Uh, that movie is completely underrated. And You've mentioned this it. before yeah. on something that we've done I here. I feel like, People yeah. really need to watch the movie. It is a masterpiece, and no one really seen it or knows about Say it. Say it so again. This, uh, just Sorcerer. Just Sorcerer. Yeah. Okay. AJ, you got a number five? I got a number five. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you The Town. <sighs> Subtle scene, guys. And it's the scene that we talk about all the time that you say you don't have to say it. It's the truth. It's very much the truth, but I will say it since we're actually talking about it. (laughs) But he says it's when Ben Affleck finds out that, like, there are these guys throwing bottles and, like, like harassing uh, the girl that he is seeing who is also involved, uh, who is the bank manager of the bank that they heisted. And then... But he finds out, like, they threw, they threw bottles at you. He's like, do, do you remember what they look like? And he just walks <laughs> cut. in. Cuts, <laughs> he cut, cut away. He walks into uh, Jeremy Renner's uh, apartment or wherever they, they live together or whatnot. And he just says to him, I need your help. You can't ask me about it later. He's like, we're going to go hurt some people. Whose car are we taking? <laughs> and that's it. Like, it's it's. I think it's the best delivery. I think yep. it's... I think it's the best uh, response that he fully expected to happen, and I also love how it evolves into. I think it. I think it really. It, it's such a catalyst to see um, how unhinged Jeremy Renner's character really is, because it should have just gone in. They they roughed these guys up mm-hmm. and said, "Get get out of here!" Like if you're still here, we're coming back. But instead, Jeremy Renner's character pulls out a gun, shoots a guy's knee out, and you're just like, "Oh my lord, this goes." Really sets up the, the fuck rest did of you the do movie. to my friend, huh? What did yeah. you do to piss him He's off? He's like, "That's my brother over there. What did you do? What did you get? A, what'd you do to get him so riled up?" Like, and just goes off and then takes off his mask. It's like you've you've seen my face. Remember, I've seen yours. And you're just like, <laughs> "This is this is the worst. I can't imagine I like having this. to go through this." Like. No, but that scene, that little moment between them, 
Who's car are we taking? Yep. Yeah. It's such a great first time you see, You'll never answer. get that moment back the first time you saw that movie. Never. It's like, yeah! You'll never get it back. And I think that's a great way to describe that. I yeah. do have to say, too, that uh, I have... I have to believe that that was inspired by a movie called Rolling Thunder, where William Devane's family gets like murdered or something like that in that movie. That's not a spoiler, but time he goes up to Tommy Lee Jones. They're both like uh, Vietnam vets. They were in this POW camp, so they're like mm. hardened. He goes up to Tommy Lee Jones. He's like, "Hey," kind of does the same speech, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones takes a beat and is just like, "I'll get my stuff." Yeah. yeah, like he just know, he doesn't know anything else, so he's just gonna go help his friend. I so I think that's it. where they got. It. I need I need people to know that movie too because they need to see that movie. What's Ro- it called? Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder. Okay, yeah, awesome. Uh, my number five. I'm going Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, I kind of sort of had to put this on there. I was thinking about it real deep about those moments that make you just go, <gasps> like you know, it just really affects you the first time you see it, and every time you watch it, you're just yeah. enthralled by it. And it's for me, it's uh, when they're in the mines of Moria. Moria and yeah. the the you you shall not pass. They're getting chased by the Balrog from the minute that they knock that thing down the well, and then that that low rumble starts. And they get chased by that thing through the things, and the orcs are throwing stuff. And when Gandalf, you shall not pass, and he does it, but then at the last second, yeah. that, that thing grabs him, whip. and he's gone. Run, you fools! It's like Run, you fly, you fools, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like then this sadness, emotion of them from yeah. losing Gandalf. I think that's one of the best moments in that entire franchise. It's a, it's a such a cool battle yes. too, and it's like it's such Peter Jackson as well. Because like when they first come in the door, there's just like a quick second of an orc getting his head cut off and blood spurting up, but it's like real quick because he's like he has to have that. In yes, I need the, something. The fucking director of uh, uh, Dead uh, Alive. Yeah, mm. it's so so awesome. Well, Fellowship for me. There's so many like moments in there too. Like I think uh, uh, I mentioned like the ride of Ro- Rohingya or whatever yep. they say, like when Rohan shows up, really. I had some friends who recently watched like start to finish all the extended cuts, Damn. and each one of those is like four hours long. <laughs> Damn. I only showed up just to watch like uh, Return of the King. I'm like, now I need to watch all these extended yep. cuts because they're it's all It's about so time, good. I think, for us to drop in fellowship. I think so. The, Come down. Into the mix. I think it's time to start down that train. Yeah, for sure. Cool. For sure, man. What you got for four, Sean? If you're anything like me, you're feeling the pinch of the economy and are you're looking to budget that money moving into holiday season. That is really what's been happening a lot around here. I'm here to tell you the secret that I have learned to save money while eating better than I ever have. The secret is Every Plate, America's best meal kit. They are sponsoring this episode, and we're so grateful for them for their support and the incredible offer that they're giving to Confused Breakfast listeners. I've told you all about this before, that when my baby arrived, the months that followed, we did a lot of takeout and DoorDash deliveries. 40 bucks here, 50 bucks there. All of a sudden, you are hemorrhaging money without even realizing it. Every plate is 50% cheaper than your average fast casual meal. They're the easiest way to eat affordably. Those savings will add up unbelievably fast. And if you're thinking to yourself that you're going to the grocery store, you're going to do it yourself, that that's a better option. Think again. You know how busy the stores are going to be in the coming months. Plus, you're going to waste so much time inside and inevitably buy more food than you need. Every plate shows up right to your door with pre-selected meals and pre-proportioned ingredients eliminating wasted food every plate provides plenty of delicious variety so that you'll never get stuck in a cooking rut there are 26 tasty and affordable recipes that change every single week it's so easy to find something flavorful and satisfying for every meal of the day last week i me the person with zero cooking skills 
and no clue what he's doing in the kitchen. I made a hearty chicken sausage and kale soup that tasted exactly Mm. like that famous Italian restaurant that we all go to when we get that soup. You know what I'm talking about? Tasted exactly like that. Really? Yes, exactly. (sighs) And then I'd made a whole wheat spaghetti. Was feeling like, ah, we could get some healthy food in us. Whole wheat spaghetti with a good, like, better than... Anything I've ever had, garlicky pan sauce with fresh parsley, fresh chives, and oh, Parmesan that I, I made up myself. I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to make this little tomato oh, sauce. So Mike, it sounds like to me you do know what you're doing in the kitchen. <laughs> Thanks to every plate I do. You will be the hero <laughs> of your household by not only saving money but cooking incredible meals. I was skeptical completely until I tried it. Now I'm going on eight or nine weeks now straight of having three every plate meals delivered to my house with no plan on stopping. Get a meal for one forty nine plus one dollar ten ounce steaks for life by going to everyplate.com what? slash podcast. <laughs> Code 49 confused. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem the $1 steak offer. Again, that is $149 per meal plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast, entering code 49 confused. Subscription must be active to qualify redeeming the $1 steak. That is a $110 value. Thank you, Everyplate. Go do it. What you got for four, Sean? Uh, this has been brought up before um, in, the, I think, top five soundtracks. But uh, I have to, this is, it's just one of my favorite scenes, if not like top two. Um, but I'm doing it at a four here for some reason. Uh, Boogie Nights, the cocaine deal with Al- yep. Alfred Molina. It is just a, a masterclass in what the fuck is going on, mm. tension, uh, comedy. It's It's got everything. You know, these uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, what's his name? Uh, Punisher guy, oh uh, Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane come yeah. in there, uh, and uh, John C. Riley. They come in there trying to sell this cocaine, and obviously it's fake. And uh, meanwhile, this guy's hopped up on any other drug you could ever think of, and is just like, yeah, you guys like you guys like Sister Christian, Sister <laughs> Christian's playing, and Christian. fucking, uh, uh, and then the the guy in the background, his buddy's just lighting off fireworks the whole time, just and it's just scaring the shit out of out of them every yeah. time one hits. It's just so funny to me, and then it all culminates into kind of a, like a violent climactic thing, and you could say this scene doesn't even need to be there, but it. When it's oh that good, god. though, like how are you gonna? Oh cut my it? god, it is—it's just everything to me. And Alfred Molina is—I should have gotten an award for just acting in general for that. It's—it's it's incredible. Yeah, number four, I'm gonna go with—I'm uh, gonna go for the uh, the Dark Knight. Um, Wait, which which scene? Which one? <laughs> I know it's—it's it's not easy to narrow down. There is a couple of things though in this movie that certainly stood out to me, but. Um, one being when he's uh, when he ends up going to China and he does like the yep. leap. Yep. So uh, I saw this movie in IMAX, Jesus. and I'm telling you, when you see those moments in IMAX, but another one is the it's the bank heist in the very beginning. Th- that for me, uh, the intro of that movie is pure perfection. I, I think it's perfect. I think it's timed insanely well. Like I can. At this point in time, I could probably recite it almost word for word mm-hmm. of those moments of like uh, those moments in the cars, like you know, th- three three of yep. a kind. Like, let's go. And he's like, he thinks he can sit this one out. I know why they call him the Joker. So why do they call him the Joker? Cutting away and like going to the guys on top. Of they're the all bank. having the same. They're conversation. all having exactly. They're all having the same kind of conversation. There's the same air of mystery throughout this entire process, other than the fact that they're gonna get. They think they're gonna get paid, and um. 
and then you have uh, William Fickner coming in as like the bank manager yep. too, who plays this amazing small cameo role. It it feels like that's just timed so well. You have any idea who you're stealing from? You and your friends are dead. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff with the sawed-off shotgun, and then and then the Joker takes it from him and uses it later on in the show. Like it's so good, man. It, all the timing is amazing. It's it's dangerous. It's scary. And I think back to the first time seeing that and watching Heath Ledger pull off that mask, which was a reference to an old Batman reference from like the TV show. And he pulls off that mask and he just says, stranger. And how disturbing it was yeah. that first time seeing that. And uh blew my mind, man. That's It's such an amazing opening scene that is put together, I think, as perfect as anything you could be. So... I, I don't know if you heard my story about Dark Knight. I I didn't. I refused to watch it because like I'm like, oh, it's just like everybody says it's so good because Heath Ledger died. Like whatever, fuck that heartthrob. Like I'm sure it's stupid. I'm sure they're just giving it love. <laughs> I I don't know what it was. I was like, I'm not gonna watch that. Meanwhile, you're pelting a homeless guy with balls. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. much. And then and then I remember I finally go fine, whatever. I'll see it. And that's the first thing I see. I'm like. <laughs> What was what's wrong with me? Why have I not seen this yet? Yeah, that yeah. movie's incredible. It's so good, man. My number four is going to be a bit of a weird one here. I don't know if anybody would have seen this on my list. I recently rewatched this. Uh, it's the movie Three Hundred. Okay, the first one. None of the all the re- weird remakes they did, but that movie, the first battle scene that they actually do when they go through that small opening and they're coming and. Mm-hmm. Dude, give give them nothing but take from them everything. everything. The Gerard Butler beyond ripped doing that fast like fast motion slow motion with his spear one yeah. take. Dude, I've never left a theater more like jacked up in my life <laughs> after I saw that movie in the theater cuz it was just it's just so I don't know if there's if there's such a thing as like a testosterone like boosting movie. It's that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And I know something about something about the way him and his his men have that camaraderie. They're all willing to die, but they're like, let's fucking go. We're yeah. gonna do it. I that scene. Go back and rewatch the the first battle scene in three hundred, and you will be so amped up. Absolutely, <laughs> it's so I, I I love it's shot so. Who shot that movie? Who directed Zack Snyder? Dude, Zach I mean Snyder. like. I know he's done, gone on to do other things that people are like, eh, whatever. But I don't know. That was his his party for, coming out party for me. Yeah, for the world. There's that moment like when he they meet the Arcadians and they say he's like asking, well, what's your profession? What's your yeah. profession? And you have to believe like there's probably like around I don't know like a thousand of these Arcadians is what you're meant to yeah. believe, and there's only three hundred of them. And after he does that, and he says, "What's your profession?" and they're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. "It's like, see, I brought more soldiers than you." Yeah, and it's just like, "Oh yeah!" <laughs> from so from scene one to the end, that movie's just jack. I'm the so arrows, glad you brought that. The one arrows. Up. Well, then we shall fight in the shade. <laughs> they're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, they're giggling so about it. Like, Get out of here! Oh yeah. What do you got for three, Sean? Uh, from one Michael Fassbender vehicle to another, uh, I'm going to go with Inglorious Bastards, but it's not the scene that Fassbender ah. is in. Uh, it's a beginning scene, dude. Um, where Hans Landa comes in and is talking to the Frenchman, I believe, um, about harboring some hostages. And meanwhile, it it's just filmmaking to a T on display: writing, directing, acting, and everything. everything is coming together. And it's so Hitchcock, where the like they've been having this conversation for so long, and you even believe that 
like no he's not harboring anything any, any anybody and the camera just slowly pans down onto the floorboards and there's the people up there and then comes back up it completely changes the dynamic now that we to know. the whole so. scene the audience knows hanzana doesn't know you know it's it's fucking incredible you know it's the bomb under the table it shows you and know alfred hitchcock shows the bomb we know and now we're scared but be, because the main character doesn't know you know um I don't think you can get any better than this. I think it's probably Tarantino's best scene that he's ever done in his whole life. Just type it into YouTube, all the yeah. dissection that people have done of that yeah. scene. Yeah. Of camera angles and what it means when he changes this to this and how this feels. And it's like, I, I think that's our single, pl- like, the, the have you seen the Rick and Morty episode where the flying heads come in? Yeah. And they're like, show, show us, us what you got. <laughs> if that was, if Earth had to give one 10 minute scene of anything we've made in a movie, I think it's that. <laughs> yeah. Like, here, do that. It's so, <laughs> show it, me what you got. And, and it's just, it's just set off by Christoph Waltz's performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the moment that he, you watch him turn to like a sadistic human with like, it, it just happens so fast that he's like, you're hiding enemies of the state under your floorboards, aren't you? He's like, where are they? They're Point, under the floorboards. They're right? under the floorboards. <laughs> they're under this. And How you just you watch know? his eyes just go almost dead. And then... And like, and it's just... Oh, he's like, I'm going to switch back to French now, if you don't mind. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> is a, you know, or whatever he yeah, says. Yeah, yeah. Like, he... <laughs> Oh man, great call! Love yep. this. And he even has like a uh, another great scene in that movie, which is the bar scene. Dude, in the, come on! In the basement, is it fucking incredible? It's yeah, a masterclass. Yeah. What do you got for three, AJ? Um, number three, I'm going to go Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, nice! And it is the parade scene. Nice. And How have we not done lot. that movie yet, dude? I know. I I can't believe we haven't. Uh, it will be long overdue by the time we do it. If we if were to do it tomorrow, it'd be long overdue. And um, but I. I think about this scene, and there's a lot of great scenes in this. Like the phone call to Rooney is absolutely iconic in my brain, and is one of the things that like set me off on like trying, not not fighting like the authority or something, but just <laughs> just like it's a joke. Like life is a joke, man. Like make the phone call, Rooney, mm! <laughs> calm down, like that kind of thing. So brilliant. But the parade scene is like just one of these things that made me as a kid, like it was very impressionable for me uh, to want to be like a performer of some kind and watching all these people react to somebody that they don't know who he is, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and I don't even think he's probably really singing it, you know. You think he is as a kid. You think he's the one singing this song. Yeah, I did. But in the end, you probably realize like he's not actually probably singing it. Who knows? Maybe they play it as he as he is. But um, it's I think it's I think it's one of the most like beautiful um, musical kind of montages in a non musical movie. Mm-hmm. And because you see all these different people dancing to it, enjoying it, people washing windows, like there's all the people dancing on the stairs. Everyone in the crowd, uh, it's just such a it's such a big thing. And uh, his friends watching him and just being like, "You're you're crazy. You need to get down." But he just keeps it going. It's mm-hmm. like it's just one of these things that's for some reason it's so inspiring uh, in a movie like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's fun. Compare that to uh, Ten Things I Hate About You" and Heath Ledger. Yeah, is singing that song to on the bleachers and shit. It's like almost like that. I totally get where you're coming from. Where it's like it made made you want to be a performer. Yeah, like I, I think Ten Things I Hate About You" did that to me kind of t- as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a it's a beautiful moment and it is outrageous, but it's it's so it's so important for that movie. Mm-hmm. That scene is. Yeah. 
What do you got there, Sean, or is it my turn? No, it's your turn. My dish. turn. I am uh, number three. So for me, would you call me? <laughs> Fish. <laughs> oh, cool. Mitch. Yeah. Mitch, that's your name. Yeah. Uh, for three, for three, for me, I got to go. No country for old men. Ooh. And uh, again, lot of lot of crazy scenes in that to talk about. But for me, it's it's the coin toss in the gas station. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if I've ever felt that way watching a scene like that terrified to be having my eyes on a scene in mm-hmm. my life like that is horror for me. You, we talk about horror movies like killer comes out and stabs you. It's like this is this scares me more than that. The unhinged human like that Javier Bardem plays. And and you, there's some analysis of this scene of of how he's going to move on with his life. Like mm-hmm. he had no plans to do this. But then the the gas station attendant's like being too nice. And he keeps saying things. He keeps being like, well, where are you from? Like, I see he's like the license plate. He's like, oh, Dallas, huh? How's yeah. the weather down there? And because he's being too nice and too small town talky, Javier Bardem's character is like, well, fuck, this guy's getting too, too nosy. We got to do something. We got to do something about this guy. And to just toss, to toss a coin to determine this man's life or not. Yeah. I'm not going to call it. You call it. I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to call it if I don't know what we're playing for. Well, my wife's parents own the gas station. <laughs> you married into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, and, why do you have a problem with that? Right. And he just spit and he keeps yeah, like fight or flight. <laughs> fight or flight. He keeps just being like, well, uh, you know, mm. like he's trying to save himself because he knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And he, and he, and he coin tosses it and he gets fine. Well, he moves ta- on. Well, what time do you close? What you, what's that? You said you're about to close. What time do you close? Oh, well, it's about dark. It's like, <laughs> it's like he just keeps it going. He's like, you have to call it. You have to call it. It's I'm the most important. It. Maybe the most important. This coin has been life. traveling its entire the, your yeah. entire life yeah. to this moment. <laughs> Get out of here! And like, as an audience member, we know what he's capable of. The gas station clerk nope. does not doesn't necessarily know what he's capable of, but he's even got like a. There's some sort of like tinge to his performance where it's like, what is going on here? Like, yep. do you actually mean me harm or not? Like, is this a joke? Yeah. And that's even more terrifying because he actually really doesn't know what he's capable he doesn't. of at all. I mean, the man is a is an absolute pure innocent to for what all we know. Yeah. And that's the that's that adds to the the tension of it because this isn't a guy who's like in, inquiring as to like a cop would be. He's just trying to be friendly as this stranger passes through. Yeah. And it leads to this interaction and it's unsettling. It's, Unbelievable. It's the like mixed nuts package that like he yes. puts on the on the table and it like slowly unfurls. Oh my they, god. They they concentrate on that and it's just like like the tension is that. <laughs> it's just like unfurling tension, you know. And and the way he re- he releases the tension and he's like and he says it's like, "Well, what do I do with it?" He's like, "I don't know." It's just a coin. <laughs> Get out of here! And he just—he don't just, put it in your pocket. He takes <laughs> it. Do, don't put that in your pocket. He's—he just takes it all away. Everything he just unloaded onto you. He just takes it away and he says, well, "Yeah." Especially when he wins the coin, does like, "Well done." Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just a game. Yeah, it was yeah. just a game. Jeez. Well, what do you got for two, Sean? I'm gonna go the good, the bad, and the ugly by Sergio Leone. Um, I think this movie is a goddamn masterpiece, but I think you cannot have this movie without having the ending, and it's just the final showdown of uh, Tuco, uh, who is the ugly and uh, blonde or blonde. Blondie is uh, Clint Eastwood, and then um, 
the bad is uh, some uh, short eyes, something eyes. Uh, but they they're all showing down. They all, if it's all come down to this, they there's some money that they're all after, and uh, one like they're all backstabbers. They're all not good people at all. It's the it's the old west, obviously. But just the way Sergio Leone shoots this, and then Ennio Morricone's score over it, you've heard it. It's the intro to every yeah. uh, Metallica set, pretty much. <laughs> Um, <laughs> many many bands do use that. Yes. Intro. <laughs> it's uh, it's just incredible, and the way, yeah, just the, the close-ups of people's eyes and the wide shot of it, uh, and then it all just kind of culminates to just a single gunshot, really, and that's kind of it. Um, I just think it's master class in, uh, especially like uh, um, spaghetti westerns, and it's totally where Tarantino got all of his stuff from like this is like Sergio Leone I think he's gone on record saying that that's his favorite director um and you can totally see that especially with the westerns that he's done yeah it's, uh it's all there and it's all on this last scene I love it hell yeah man nice what you got for two age um number two um involves one of my favorite actors of all time um one that uh it's a it's a death that I don't get I don't get upset by celebrity deaths uh, you know yes they're tragic death is tragic but oftentimes, what? I I know, I know. Whoa. But uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was one that, for some reason, I was so taken aback by the fact that I was not going to get to see him do any more performances. And that was why. It's like, Selfishness. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I, it was 100% selfish. And like I, I am so sad that I don't get to see him perform mm-hmm. anymore or do something new. And um, the performance is okay. I mean, I don't think it's like a major performance in this, but it's almost famous. And he has, nice. he has, it's, it's the quote, it's the conversation kind of getting close to the end that, um, it, it's something that could almost make me tear up that the conversation goes essentially as is. He says, Oh man, you made friends with them. See, friendship is the booze they feed you because they want you to get drunk on feeling like you belong because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You're not cool because we are uncool. You know, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. And they get the girls, but we're smarter because great art is about guilt and longing and, you know, love disguised as sex and sex disguised as love. And hey, let's face it. You've got a big big head start. I'm always home. I'm uncool. You're doing great. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. My advice to you, I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want a true friend, if you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. And Damn. Yep. There is just something so resonant about that that I will go back and I'll I'll find that on YouTube the same way you guys do with Jaws. Yep. And just listen to that and you just remind myself like, you know what? There's oftentimes people only want you to feel like you belong mm-hmm. enough so they can get what they want out of you. Yeah. And it's okay to be uncool because honestly, the uncool people are the ones that people are going to they're the ones that are going to be sought after by after the cool people realize how uncool they are mm-hmm. and they've just been following yep. other people's bullshit. Mm. And, uh, I just, I love that moment from, from him. And I think no one could have delivered it like nope. Philip Seymour. <coughs> I did. agree. So cool, man. That's it. 
My number two is The Usual Suspects, and it's the reveal at the end. Nice. <laughs> uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know what it is. That That's one of those moments that, like, I, I'm so happy for you if you've never seen that movie and you get to experience what we all... Because that's one of the best cons of a movie ever, to, like, have it turn around and be like, holy shit. And that slow zoom in on the agent's face as he starts to realize what had actually happened. He starts to piece it together. You see our boy Verbal Kint, who's now Kaiser Sose. His limp goes away. His hand uncurls, and he starts walking away. I mean, that that perfect ending of of uh, Kevin Spacey saying, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist. And like that, he goes, the scene cuts to black, and it just his voice says, he's gone. And like It's just such a killer ending to that movie the the kevin spacey reveal i i fucking love that thing yeah i could watch that ending forever it's so good i was uh i was watching it for the first time in a long time to the point that i'd really forgotten yep. what what uh had really happened yep in the movie and uh I'm watching it it's late at night and uh watching this movie and all of a sudden alicia says i think we have to go to the hospital and then Harrison was born. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's a special movie. And it's a special movie. But he couldn't have waited a little bit longer. <laughs> Come on, man. So I could get the Who's big Kaiser reveal. Who's Kaiser Damn it, Harrison. So good. Yep. <laughs> All right, we're down to number one. Sean, what do you got? Number one top favorite scene of Sean Pryor. My number one, and it forever has been, and I don't know if it will ever be topped, is the processing scene in Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. Have you guys seen this movie? I have no. seen this. Um, basically, oh it's kind of a uh, Scientology rip. Um, uh, speaking of Pish, mm -hmm. our boy Pish, Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, kind of plays a, uh, what's his name, the the writer of Scientology, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much plays... Ron uh, L. Hubbard? Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard. L. L. Ron Hubbard. Pretty much plays a version <laughs> of that. And, Who cares? Um, uh, Freddie, who is Joaquin Phoenix's character, is this kind of drunk who's a, a war veteran, um, and just like has no direction, is going from job to job, and may have like killed some people here and there. Uh, but just like he makes his own potion of alcohol, where he gives it out, and some people can't handle it, and they just kind of die. And so he's running, he's running from a lot of things. He's running from himself pretty much, and he meets Lancaster Dodd, who is uh, Pish, and. Um, kind of takes him under his wing a little bit and uh they have this whole thing where they, it's a processing uh sequence where they just ask these questions over and over again with their subjects and they ask like questions like when was the first time you were spanked and then they'll ask like when's the last time you had mcdonald's or some shit you know Man. just like random shit to like trip people up and like really get them out of their comfort zone um but this scene they've been drinking uh this exact potion that um uh freddie has and Lancaster Dodd sits him down and says, um, I want to do some processing with you. And he's like, okay, let's have some fun. You know, it's going to be a good time. But uh, he doesn't feel like Freddie's being like really honest with him at all. And so he says, well, this time I want you to do it without blinking. And so you do this whole scene and it's the best performance I've ever seen ever, except for um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood. Uh, it's just incredible. He does this whole thing with his eyes open and is like screaming at Philip Seymour Hoffman these answers and says, uh, I don't know, I don't know. And then like it all kind of, it's just 
no music or anything like that. It all kind of culminates and you feel like so on the edge of your seat by just watching two people talk. And then right at the end of it, he's like, okay, close your eyes. He closes his eyes and it cuts to this like really bright, beautiful looking like seaside uh, house that uh, Freddie's like recalling a memory from. And it's Lancaster kind of speaking over, doing voiceover, being like, okay, tell me where you're at now. And he's like kind of taking him through this it was just such a roller coaster ride. Like we went down, we went up, and it was scary. Then we went down, and it was like a release. Um, but then it's just like this acting from two powerhouses, with, yep. which will never be captured ever again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. I fucking love it. Go see it if you haven't. The master, the master, the master. What do you got for number one, H? Well, speaking of two powerhouses, um, <laughs> I have made mention of this before. I think it is. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. Say what you were going to say. <laughs> Just say, tell me your movie first. Say it. It's Rocky Two. <laughs> yes, this is the, this is the, this is I'm super stoked. This is what I love. Sean's like, here's this this masterpiece of a movie that maybe not many people have seen. It's just like Ace Ventura. <laughs> I love it. Boxing, Clever Lane. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. Well. I have made mention of this on the podcast before that I do believe this is one of the greatest moments in cinema history because I can watch this a hundred times over and probably have that I still it's it's some somehow it almost makes you forget because of the way it's shot and it's put together you almost forget every single time who wins at the end of Rocky two yeah and and what it takes because. To, to make this happen. You're talking about a slow motion scene of two guys who genuinely look like they are, they, they like there's no reason they should be awake. They're so exhausted. And you're watching these two guys who have just literally fought a war in this ring. And there's a big swing. Rocky takes one more big hit, knocks them both to the ground and there's there's this announcer that is ringing in your ears as you're watching this happen and watching everyone beg to get up like beg begging these two guys to get up and you hear it and you hear uh, um Rocky has if Rocky if Rocky doesn't get up Apollo retains the title if they if neither of them get up Apollo retains the title like this is what's going to happen like and because the champion just automatically retains it and you're just going through all these things and you finally see it because you're like, it's nine. He's not even up. And he finally gets to his like tiptoes and he calls 10 and he says, you're out. And that music comes in and you're, you're just watching this happen. And again, it's like, I can't even remember that Rocky wins it. I can't even remember yeah. it because of the way he gets up and they call it a win. You're just like, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. And I'm watching this for like the 90th time. And I, I I think it causes an amount of tension for people to like stand up and like cheer yeah. at that moment mm. in that movie every single time you watch it. Rocky yeah. two. Rocky two. Just pure victory on screen. Absolute victory. So cool. Yes, sir. Well, then, Sean, lean off you. I mean, I got to go There Will Be Blood for my number one. All right. And there's so much to choose from in this because it is indeed one of the greatest acting performances of all time. It's maybe the first time that oil rig goes off. and the, the yeah. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that scene, that very subtle scene when uh, Daniel Plainview is in the like the bar restaurant mm-hmm. with H.W. And like he's like 
deciding whether he's going to make like call out the other guy at the yeah. other table, puts the cloth over his head. Hey, <laughs> you know, like I, and then he goes over and takes a shot after he's done. Like could be that. But for me, I mean, it's obviously the, I drink your milkshake. Yeah. I mean, you got Daniel uh, Day Lewis, Paul Dano in just the culmination of this movie you've been sitting through. The he's completely off his rocker at this point. And Paul Dano's realizing he's been screwed over. I don't know if there's a more iconic, better acted, better written scene in history. Yeah. Than this. Like I I watched I just I just watched it on YouTube like three times today and I was just like, Yup. I still feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Especially the first time you see that, you're just like, What the fuck? <laughs> like this is insane. Yeah. I mean it's like throughout the movie too, like Paul Dano is always asking uh Daniel yeah. for um money yep. the whole time. Yep. And he's finally coming back to him and he's like, Hey, you know, he looks like a successful guy. He's like, But this business venture, if you just give me some money, I will I will make that and he's like a man of God too, yeah. or it's so it calls into question this uh uh theology of yep. him and everything, you know. And I already gave your brother the money. He yeah. came by here last week. Yeah. <laughs> like, you what? sniveling ass <laughs> <laughs> Gave him ten thousand dollars right off the bat. I yeah. said, "Here you go." It's like fuck. I love that movie. It's I got to so rewatch. Good. I haven't seen the whole thing in a while, but man, it's a masterpiece. And yep. it's like the the music in that too, yeah. dude. The Johnny Greenwood score is fucking phenomenal. I'll probably watch it tonight to just calm me down. Oh yeah, just, it's a good movie to just, just calm <laughs> down. It'll be very calming. Yeah, just go to get a nice sleep in. Yeah, it'll be great. I tried to watch that movie at the wrong time, like where <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, like, cool, like let's. I'm yeah, gonna there will be blood. I'm gonna watch a movie. It's like I heard this one's kind of kind of weird, and I'm just watching. I'm just like, oh my god, this is fucking boring, <laughs> boring. You got to be ready for it. And you're, yeah, it's like I was just not. You got to be right able to appreciate mindset. what's going on yeah. instead of just like I'm trying to watch Lord of the Rings, like that thing. You I know? feel like I feel like the only thing that should have, uh, the only way that movie should have ended. Though is when he when he finishes up and then it just cuts away and then it just starts going. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Like it's better than yours. Her video should have just been that. It should have just been that. There will be blood. Yeah, I'm saying idiots. Just lots of like oil explosions and like that's suggestive. Yeah. Yeah. Spurting. Yeah. Spurts. Well, we fucking did it. We want to hear your top five favorite movie scenes. And I'd like to make a proposal. Uh, now that we've done the broad one, I'd like to narrow it. I'd yeah. like to go to like favorite intros, favorite endings, yep. uh, favorite uh, warners. What's a warner? Quit <laughs> using that term. <laughs> Shut up. That's what I want to do. Yeah, and, oh, and I got a voicemail. Oh, I'm trying woo! to be good about this. Yeah, right? let's do it. Uh, 319-804-9596. We're going to hit you on the brunch episodes with some voicemails. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Nate. I'm calling in from over in Florida. Um, big fan of the show so far. And, um, I actually had a fun little fact for you guys. I just listened to the blank check episode, not arguing your rating on it by any means necessarily. But, um, you mentioned about the birthday song and how they skipped a verse in it. Um, the reason why they actually did that is because Warner actually owned the rights. Until 2017, um, I can't remember when they, I think it was 1988, they bought the rights to the Happy Birthday song. And so nobody except for them were actually allowed to use it until 2017 when their copyright was essentially overruled. No shit. So um, you actually don't hear the in um, its full version because of that. So 
So that was a fun fact I learned a little while back and just thought I'd share it with you. Um, I also was just wondering if you guys are ever planning on getting into any of the um, the kind of the animated movies. Um, if I could put in a recommendation and uh, just see if you guys had also seen it and think of it the same way as I do, it's um, Titan AE. Uh-huh, um, okay. I love that movie. I think it's early 2000s. But, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Um, love listening to your stuff. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. Right on, Nate. I did not know that. That's dropping knowledge bombs on us. That's awesome. It's a complete history of the, of the the licensing for Happy Birthday. That's cool. That's amazing. Um, I guess I should play us out, or do we do that on brunches? No, we do. No, that's (laughs) Patreons. Don't don't you dare. If 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 you like hearing us play acoustic guitar at random parties and going, I can't remember how to play this. Join the Patreon. Yep. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Confused Breakfast. The only reason why we are giving you two episodes a week. And the only reason that brunch is possible, we love you all. There's everybody who's already been in there. Consider joining. We still have not gotten enough Patreons to buy HiMDB yet. Yeah, we need that. HiMDB.com. We need more. So consider joining for one month. If you don't like it, go away. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. It's cool. It's okay. that easy, guys. Thanks, love you. Nate. We love appreciate you calling in. Have a good morning and a good afternoon. Do well at work tonight. tonight. Yeah. Oh, you're going to do great. Work do, hard. Do a good job. You've already been slacking for about an hour, so it's time to get back to work. Yeah, yep. honestly, you really need to stop listening to this. Okay, Go. bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.